Coming up today, a big re-signing for the Cairns Taipans. Big news for the team in far north Queensland. What more does Scott Ninnis need to do to get the Adelaide 36ers job? Is Mitch Creek an all-NBL first-teamer? And let's have another go trying to make sense of this crazy, crazy ladder with three rounds to go. That's all coming up on NBL Net. Wednesday, the 31st of January. As always, great to have your company. I'm Jack Heverin. Joining me, as always, on a Wednesday on NBL Now, Derek Rucker. D-Ruck, morning to you. And some good news for the Cairns Taipans to start with. Sam Wardenberg re-signing on a one-year deal. Yeah, at first it was reported three years, and I want to talk about that in a minute. But it's a great pickup, and I think it works well both ways. And Sam probably needs another season to really solidify himself up there because he's been up and down. But yet he's a great talent. He's a local talent. He's a big guy that can really stroke the ball. He's a smart player. But it looks like he's experiencing a bit of a sophomore slump and a lot of a lot of inconsistent play this year. Now, on the business side of it, it was first reported three years, Jack. And that really surprised me because I didn't think that would have been a good move for Sam Wardenberg. Right now, with the commercial growth of the NBL, who knows which way salaries are going to go? We've seen a spike in salaries already. If I'm a player, especially a young player, I'm not willing to commit for any longer than two years right now while I wait to see how this all manifests in terms of how much paper can I put in my bank account and how much money can I guarantee myself and provide security for those around me. So this is probably a really good move on both parts. Uh, one year for Sam to show what he's worth. And I think the Taipans have been very good to him in giving him that initial opportunity last season to show what he could do in this league. So it is a one-year deal, just confirming that, as you say, Ruck, it was initially reported as three. But does it is it another tick in the box for Adam Ford and the system and the environment that he's created in far north Queensland? Because Sam Wardenberg could have let this thing go for another three or four months and, and entered free agency. That's a valid point. And... You know, we see a lot of change in the Cairns Taipan starting lineups in their rotation in their rotations throughout the year. Some of that has been a product of the injuries and what Adam Ford has had to do with his lineups. But also some of it has been form and performance based where he's felt the need to go in other directions at times. So I think it's also a real credit to Adam Ford that even despite guys not getting court time consistently throughout the season they're willing to stay with him they're willing to go out there and play hard when their opportunity comes and I think Warburg committing for another year this early is is a full credit to the Taipans especially Adam Ford we'll get back to the Taipans at the end of the show when we talk about what this round looks like to the Adelaide 36ers Scott Ninnis has been a caretaker now and has taken this group to a point like we spoke about on moments that mattered it's hard to believe that we're having this conversation about the 36ers still being in the race as a playing contender. The question to you is what more does he need to do to get this Adelaide 36ers job permanently? Well, if he finishes out strong, even a, you know, a top eight finish would be really good. He keeps his record uh, above 500 since he's taken over. And then I think the thing he can really point to when he gets to negotiations and or trying to pitch himself in interviews, he can say, hey, look at our main local guys. Look at DJ. Look at Isaac. Look at their performances since I've taken over. 
And then you add Trey Kellen to the mix as well. He's got a strong case right there in terms of how to how has his top players performed when he's been the king down there. So I think he's got a lot to uh he's got a lot in his in his uh armory when it comes to trying to convince 36ers management that he's the man for the job. I also might make a sly call to some of my competitors like Brian Gorgian and <laughs> some of the other names we hear tossed around and say, hey guys, can you back off for a minute and give me some room to breathe here and show what I can do out of respect for the coaching code? That might work yeah. as well. Well, he might need to do that because, and I say this with respect to Scott Ninnis, who's been a, an outstanding contributor to the Adelaide 36ers as a player and now off the court as well. But does it does it just hurt him a fraction, Ruck, that his surname's not Gorgian or Gleason at the moment? And by that, I mean that they are the two potentially highest profile, potentially available candidates. So any club looking for a coach is going to do everything they can, aren't they, to try and make that happen? And that's kind of the, the position we find ourselves in as a league with coaches. We've seen the Sydney Kings go out and get named coaches um, still trying to make their mark. And Scott probably doesn't fit the mold now in terms of a big name, but it's a, it's a, it's a results business and he's giving the, he's getting the results. The team looks like they're vibing so much better. And I think he's a strong case for, for, you know, being their coach for the next one or two seasons. But the other thing is Jack, I think having Nennis as your coach does a lot for your basketball community and trying to strengthen the fiber from the community to the organization. So, as I said before, I think he he's well-equipped to be the head coach there for the next couple of seasons. He's done a lot right. Mitch Creek has also done a lot right. And on this show yesterday, Damon Lowry said that he must be an All-NBL first-teamer. He's averaging 21 points across the season, a little under seven rebounds. He's shooting the ball really well also. And we saw in their win last Thursday, Ruck against Sydney, that he took on the responsibility of being the number one man while they had so many players out. What do you think? If you were to sit down and do your All-NBL first team now, would Mitch Creek be in it? Without a doubt. I agree with Damon. His numbers are sensational. But I like the fact that he's really progressed as a, as a teammate and as a basketball player in understanding his role in the club and how important he is. And I think you know, as he continues to um, as he continues to mature and get older as a player, um, he's starting to show his basketball savvy and that he knows how to play the game. He's picking his moments when to inject himself. And if you're looking around for Australian players, who's better than him? And you know, he continues to learn to shoot the ball better. I think he's up in the 40s from the three point mark. And realistically, when things have fallen apart around him, he's been able to consolidate everyone. And look, we know their record isn't good. They're sitting at the bottom of the ladder. But they put together some respectable performances. So I think Creek deserves a lot of credit. And, you know, he's one of the he's definitely one of the top 10 players in the, in, in the league. And this year, I think he is a worthy first team guy. John really got people talking on the weekend after the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix game. He he did another one of those John Really tricks where the, he, we all thought the press conference was over and then John said, actually, I want to ask you something. This was discussed a lot on overtime last night with the guys and Copes and Liam had some clips of showing perhaps where Bryce should have got whistles. Now, we could do half an hour on this, but you as a star in this league and as an import are better place to talk about this 
than anyone. Do you think that Bryce Cotton is getting the appropriate treatment from the officials? Without a doubt, he is not. And this is a concept that goes back for decades, Jack. When a talented import comes over to this country and has an impact in this league, it's obviously not something that is intentional, but there's a human condition within the referees to equalize the playing field. And that is done by allowing defenders, especially Australian defenders, to get away with more contact on said import. It is the way it's always been. I was briefed on this concept day one when I arrived here in 1990. You've got to be better than that. You've got to be so good to play above the advantage that the Australian defenders are going to have over you that, that it really adds value to how great Bryce is, that he's still able to function as a small player at a very high level. And now, again, I'm not saying it's something that is put out there in some type of mandate or directive from the NBL. It's just way it's just the way it is. Naturally, as people, we want to see close competition. And I think sometimes referees probably let stuff slide that would be called for a lesser player. And I think the important thing for you to explain here as well is because, and they highlighted this on the show last night, that Rice Cotton has drawn more fouls on average per game than any other player in the league this season. So if you looked purely at that in isolation, you would say, well, he's getting all the calls. But is it that he's not getting the right type of calls? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Of course. It's critical calls at critical times that aren't blown. Okay, so I should say potential calls at critical times that aren't called that probably irked John really. And the fact, okay, so if Bryce goes to the line six and a half, seven times a game, John really probably feels he should be going to the line 10 times a game. Call it as it is and don't worry about who the guy is you're calling it for. Play basketball, call basketball properly. Now, I think overall, and this is going to be controversial, I don't think the referees have done that bad a job this season. This is a slightly different situation that I'm harping on. I think it's been a lack of intelligence from defensive players reaching in, being ill-disciplined at times. So, as you said, we could talk about the referees and and that dynamic for for hours, but that's my take on it. The referees haven't been as bad overall as we as some people would like us to believe, and Bryce Cotton deserves more calls per game. That's it. Just just imagine that. Derek Rucker supports the officials. If you're, <laughs> if you're saying the officials aren't going that bad, what are people going to tweet about, Ruck? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Let's get to the ladder because we've got three rounds to go. And the Mitsubishi Motors table as it stands right now is still wide open. Uh, we're going to do a very special edition of NBL now later on this afternoon with Liam Santamaria. We're going to try and break down the run home for each of our teams. But you've had a couple of days to look at this and think about it. And I know how deep you dive into these things. Are you, are you any closer to making sense of this? Well, firstly, thank you for not inviting me on that NBL Now episode because that's a real head spinner and <laughs> it stresses me out. You know, I just find myself going to the ladder. I'm drawn to that ladder. I'm drawn to the schedule, trying to work out all the permutations and who is going to be in the finals. And Jack, I think Brisbane are in trouble. I think they, I think the percentages really put them in a tough situation. The schedule is brutal. Um, 
This game against Illawar is a must win for them. So conversely, I think Illawar are well positioned. They get this game against Brisbane. It gives them a lot of confidence. Again, it gives them that percentage hit. It places them firmly in the top six. But let's look at the top. Let's look at the elites, Perth and Melbourne. That's even more fascinating because I think it's vital that Perth get that number one spot. And then that makes them the championship favorite in my eyes. Now, look, I think they're a better road team than Melbourne United. But still, if you've got to go out there and steal one, maybe two games in front of that Red Army in a five-game championship series, Jack, historically, I don't see that happening. It's a very, very good point you make about the Red Army. Let's finish with the Taipans. That's where we started. Let's finish with them and Tasmania because they're first up tomorrow night on Thursday Night Hoops at the Cairns Convention Centre. Cairns seventh at the moment, 11-14 and 14 on the season. Their percentage is also pretty ordinary, Rocky. You were just talking about Brisbane's. Cairns is 97.6. The big concern for them is that after tomorrow night, they've only got two games left to go. If they lose tomorrow night, are they done? Unfortunately for the Taipans, it is a do-or-die game. They've got to get this one. They face a tough opponent, uh, an opponent that will be smarting because they haven't been playing at the level, and that's the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. We've expected so much more for them. But hasn't worked out, and I think this is a game. I've got the Taipans getting this game, Jack. I think their energy, um, that arena is going to be jam-packed. And again, it works out. Usually, it comes down to who needs it most late in these in these late game scenarios. And I think I just feel the Taipei is going to come out and play one of their best games of the year. Um, Adam Ford has been juggling, juggling all year, trying to get it right. And I think right now it all comes together in the convention setup for them against the, against the Jack Jumpers. Well, it's good news for Cairns, not so good for the Jack Jumpers, who also follow up a couple of days later and host the Adelaide 36ers, Ruck. This is a very, very big weekend for the well, team from the Apple Isle. Well, I think knowing that they've got Adelaide coming back to them later in the round, Jack, I think that's another case where I think they might just be a little bit lacking the, the necessary focus to go up there and beat a tie pass team in Cairns. Good luck trying to figure out this NBL season. None of us can, and it's what makes it so interesting. It all starts tomorrow night with the Taipans and the Jack Jumpers. That's going to see us out NBL now. Don't forget, of course, we are getting together this afternoon for a very special edition of The Run Home. Liam Santamaria will join me. We'll have a look at each team and who they've got in the remaining three rounds of the season. So keep your eyes on that one on the NBL website and, of course, wherever you download your podcasts, and we'll see you tomorrow.